This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of okay good morning everybody uh, to the doc and the guru this week and uh, normally as you know it's always gordon and i and uh I've been away in Europe. I've just returned, and uh, as it's right and proper, Gordon has now taken a bit of leave. So he's away for a, a week or two. So I'm flying solo today, but uh, we've got a great guest. And, and you'll remember we spoke earlier this year about bringing on some international guests. You know, you would remember I was in Germany a few weeks back. I was in Austria prior to that. Uh, and, and prior to that, we brought on via obviously Zoom or location, uh, various guests. And today is no different. I've got a very, very, very special guest doing critically important societal work uh, around the sports industry, which, you know, we'll get into in, in a moment or two. Now, most of our talk is all marketing media, but I mean, there's certainly a place for great uplifting work. And we've touched on this before, the life of sportsmen, the short life of sports people, if you like, uh, and what happens afterwards. Now, it gives me great pleasure to welcome uh, Matteo Tassi, Dr. Matteo Tassi, I should actually say, and then we'll go into the less formal bit. Matteo, uh, it's nice to connect with you again. How are you doing? Uh, thanks for having me, Doug. I'm doing well. Uh, thanks, of course, for um, uh, the introduction. Yeah, and I mean, just, Matteo, I mean, I know you and I have crossed paths. We've done some work together. We'll get into that now. Uh, for our listeners out there, Matteo is the head of executive education at an institute in Switzerland called CIES, which is the International Center for Sports Studies. And he's done a whole lot of work. Matteo, you joined four years ago. You've done a lot of work. Please just take us through the center itself for people perhaps not familiar with it and then your role. And then I want to get into the current stuff, which is so, so critical, the work that you're currently doing. Uh, absolutely. Well, the International Center for Sports Studies is a Swiss foundation based in Neuchatel that was created more than 25 years ago 
uh, by some actors, including FIFA, the city of Neuchâtel, the canton of Neuchâtel, and uh, the University of Neuchâtel. So we have um, the mission to provide the research and education about sport. Um, so we have different areas uh, we tackle. Uh, we have dedicated unit to um, who are who are investigating football uh, from a data point of view. Um, and also we provide um, traditional academic education. We have some flagship um, programs like the FIFA Master, the International Master in um, Management, Law and Humanities Sport. Uh, we also have a network of uh, more than 17 um, um, universities around the world, including Port Elizabeth, Nelson Mandela University, where we met actually that yeah. uh, in, um, in South Africa. And um, four years ago, when I joined the, the organization, we decided to launch an executive education unit. Um, because so, I mean, at that time, uh, CIS was mostly forming a student who wanted to um, step into the, the sports industry. Uh, but then uh, we understood that there was a huge need and there is still a need uh, to train and form people who are already working in the sports industry. You know, the sports industry, uh, you can basically access that through different paths. And, um, and many people, they maybe they, they, they work there, but they don't have uh, a proper uh, sports management background. So we try, uh, thanks to the program that I lead, together with my unit, we try to tackle this problem and um, provide um, educational uh, training for uh, people who are already in this industry at various level. Um, and we want to... Um, update their knowledge and understand a little bit better. Also, because we know that, that this, you know, the, the, the sporting landscape is changing. And uh, I mean, this, when CIS was created 20, 25 years ago, uh, the sports industry was completely different. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and if I even take the, the, the very day we met, it was like three years ago. I mean, it, it's incomparable. Now we have things that three years ago, we were not even able to uh, foresee like NFTs. Now we everyone discussed about NFTs, and three years ago that was not on our agenda. Sure. Um, social media have changed a lot, so we try to uh, let's say keep people up to date. Mm. Yeah, it's so important, though, Mateo. And I think you know, I, I mean, looking globally, and you obviously working in the international field across many territories and we'll, and we'll touch on that now but even in south africa if i look at some of the bodies that i've worked with through the years i've often used the term and i don't mean this in a disparaging way but a lot of the administrators were more fans than business people you know they loved the game almost too much you know so if, if you look at the traditional model of marketing the product in other words the the nine people playing or the 11 people or the 15 people is the product and there's an outcome the, the love of the product was so much that it clouded everything else, which is which is what you're saying now. Every other aspect is important. And, you know, with tech and with, you know, I look at gaming, I look at the blurring, you know, I look at a lot of the stuff that is living in a parallel universe these days. And we've had guests on, we've had the privilege of having guests on talk about some of those changes. So absolutely. So it's wonderful the work you do to move that cohort of sporting administrators globally into the next thing that they don't lose the love of football. I'm not suggesting it at all. I'm saying marry it with, you know, the commercial side, uh, the whole aspect of digital uh, transformation, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so that's great. 
Yeah, absolutely that. You, you know, I mean, for, for many years, the, the sports industry considered itself uh, kind of a niche, uh, protected. And actually, it is so, uh, because, the, the I mean, the, the traditional sports organizations, they have a specific business model. But now, um, during the last years, uh, all this old model has, has been disrupted. And of course, COVID also played a role. Uh, with COVID, we understood that the traditional a business model of sports organizations, which was based on match day revenues and you know and and sponsorship and TV rights, uh, is not viable anymore. So um, all of the sudden, the interest, the industry was forced to become creative and look at what's happening outside. Also, because many actors that are not from, uh, let's say, the, the sports industry per se, now they are trying to jump into that. Uh, I remember four years ago, I was doing a workshop in South America and there was a, a guest speaker who was telling, uh, you know, I know that these days Amazon is testing the water in terms of TV rights and now, lo and behold, Amazon is a player. Yeah. So things are happening and, uh, and I believe we have to be able to foresee and uh, the, the, next, the next steps. And the more we are, uh, we can do that. The more the sports industry will be able to try not only to survive but to thrive. Yeah, and I think you know, but you're absolutely right. And, and a lot of people say these things, you know, because they they feel that it's the right thing to say. But I mean, it's the question of now really realizing that you need to do it. And it's um, you know sometimes a bit sad that you that the globe needed COVID to reset some of the parameters. But certainly, um, hopefully now the global sports industry has learned and continues to learn. And I, I quote you in an article where you say that, you know, be bold and, and ambitious, you know, don't accept the status quo. Always try to imagine a different type of future, alternative paths for the future. The sports industry will require disruptors and innovators and be ready to become one. And I think that's such a powerful statement that you make. And it's good that you're backing it up now with teaching, bringing in global experts, giving people the tools. So it's not just a statement that someone could make at a dinner party. Uh, it's, a, it's a statement that is backed up. Uh, and so and so, well done to, to you and, and your team on that, uh, in moving the needle and, and consciously moving the sector forward. Now, Matteo, talking about that, I mean, you know, one of our themes is, is continuing education. And I see recently you're at the prestigious Stanford uh, School of Business. Just tell us a little bit about that. What did you go? And I see you, you talk a lot about innovation and disruption. You talk a lot about reinvention. Let's just talk a little bit about that. And then I want to get back to the, 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 the new program that you, that you put together. Uh, yeah, um, uh, in 2019, I, I decided to, um, to join Stanford Graduate School of Business uh, for a reason, because uh, which is linked to what I just said that you just said, uh, Doug. Um, I, was, um, I was working in, uh, in the sports industry, and before that, I used to work in the museums industry, so two very traditional um, industries. And, um, and of course, I was happy being there, but I was not happy with the state of the art. I was thinking that, uh, you know, there was a need to innovate and um, looking around in traditional sports management programs, I was not able to find um, any program that was uh, good for me uh, in, in order to understand uh, where the world was going and what, what would happen in the, in the next few, in the near future. 
So I, I thought to myself, like, okay, let's think about the, um, the companies that are running the show and, you know, running our lives. And I was thinking to Google, I was thinking to LinkedIn, I was thinking to Facebook. And um, there is a common point. Many of them, they come from the Bay Area, where Stanford is. And I was thinking, like, all right, uh, if I want to understand disruption, if I want to understand innovation, that's the place to go. So I joined this, um, this program, which is called LEAD. And, um, and that was, of course, um, a fantastic experience, which is still ongoing because I'm still part of the community. We have 3,000 3, um, uh, leaders, we call it uh, ourselves, a community um, everywhere in the world. And it's a huge source of, uh, of, for debate, uh, for ideas. So um, I, I spent a year studying at, uh, at Stanford Graduate Business School of Business, and that was really uh, a changing point for me because many of the um, many of the things that I'm trying to implement these days um, come directly from ideas that I that I got there. Um, can give you an example. Uh, two years ago, we launched a program at CIA that was called Entrepreneurship for the Sports Industry. So we wanted to train uh, people who were already working in, in the sports industry uh, in big organizations to become entrepreneurs, like people who are able to drive change from within. And probably this, this program would not uh, have been possible without the Stanford experience. It was really a detour that I made. Uh, and I, you know, the, the, the topics I, I went through in Stanford were like uh, critical analytical thinking, innovation, disruption. And we were studying case studies of, um, com- from companies that typically are not part of, um, of any sports management curriculum. And I was thinking, oh, that's great. There is a lot of material I can take and bring to, uh, to my activities. So um, it really played a huge role in who I am as a person, of course, uh, but also in some of the things that we were able to, uh, to implement. Yeah, and that's wonderful, Matteo. And I guess, you know, the lesson is to take the, the lessons in life are all around us. They're not just on the field. We know that to be the case, or the locker room, or the boardroom for that matter. And it's about assimilating that data and having the ability to join the dots in a way to, that's going to benefit your particular business. And onto that, I mean, I had the benefit this week sitting earlier uh, and listening to a very, very fascinating webinar where, where you were chatting about, uh, you know, life after, after football, beyond the pitch was the webinar. Uh, and, and that led into the, your new program that I really want to talk about now. If you can take us through your concerns, your deep worry and your concern and potentially some solutions around the next 90. In other words, life once the final, final, final whistle has gone for you as a player. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot for this question, Doug, because the Next 90 is a program that we are currently running. It's ongoing and I am really happy with and proud of, of it. So um, two years ago, more or less, FIFA um, called us at CIS because they wanted to, to implement a program for um, professional football players um, who were uh, about to start a second career. Now, um, we know that um, this might be a problem. 
Uh, I'm not an athlete, I'm not a professional football player, so I, I cannot understand what, what happens. But uh, of course, talking with them and making interviews to prepare uh, the program and design the program, um, I understood that um, you know a, a professional football player spent 20 years in a very uh, specific way. And then all of a sudden, uh, I mean, the way he or she used to live um, is ended. And that's something that someone from the outside cannot understand. Simply. Uh, so um, what happens next? Uh, is the sport industry ready to absorb them? Are these uh, guys ready to enter into that? Uh, there is probably, there was, and there is still, there is still need, uh, a need for, um, for a bridge. So with this program, what we're trying to do is to create a bridge uh, between the sporting uh, career and the second career. Um, with a very specific approach, which I call human-centered. Um, the idea is not to uh, create profiles that are ready to step into a specific industry, could be the sports industry, as administrators are um, taking a, a specific role. Um, we wanted to uh, help participants design the second career. That means um, we provide uh, the tools, some essential tools about business, about communication, about leadership, uh, project management, things that they can apply to any other uh, area. Um, and what we try to do uh, is help them understand what they want to do uh, because um, they have a, a huge set of skills. Um, because of the of the uniqueness of um, of who they are, and the way they spent the, the first professional career, and they can really uh, bring their talent to different areas. Uh, sometimes we, we believe, you know, um, a good a good athlete can become a good sport administrator, which which is true because we have a lot of examples. But they can also become entrepreneurs. They can become tycoon. They can they can they can do a lot of things. So um, our idea, the way we designed the program, was to to really help them uh, understand. Now it's a, it, it's the first edition of the program, so we are learning a lot, and that's also the beauty of what we are doing. Because um, as as I told you, uh, it's a world that I am discovering, um, and um, a little by little we are we are you know. Uh, having feedback, receiving feedback, uh, so that we can improve on the second edition, we can improve on, on next things we can, we can implement. But the general idea is that uh, professional football players in this case, but let's say uh, professional sports people, they have a lot of talents, they have a lot of skills, and, uh, and they are unique. So we want to leverage uh, their uniqueness. Uh, so that they are ready to uh, start the second career uh, in a very successful way. Well, that's fantastic, Matteo. I think you, you know you make a very good point there about um, not doing a cookie cutter model. In other words, not just presenting data, but it's about a two way thing. And and in that in that webinar that I attended, I mean, you had Gemma Fay on the former Scottish international football player and now at the Scottish Rugby Union. And she made one of the very interesting, she made a lot of interesting points, but one to me was we used to getting feedback. You know, we, we'd be sitting in the locker room, we used to video analysis, we used to a two-way thing. Our lives as players is very much dynamic, you know, whereas a lot of the times in business, sometimes I find that feedback has been sporadic. So the nice thing, I guess, for you as an educator 
and on the executive program is to have that constant dialogue with people who are used to dialoguing. They're used to talking about strengths, weaknesses, opposition, games, players, fixtures. You know what I mean? So, so that's great. So, Matad, tell me, just I know it's first edition. How has it been received so far by the delegates? Um. Yeah, I mean, so far we we have a first cohort of thirty two people uh, from different countries, so um, from New Zealand to the U.S. Pacific Coast. Um, we have, of course, uh, women and men. We have almost a parity between women and men, which is great. All of them they have uh, a common denominator. They 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 played football at a high level, and they have one international match. Uh, with the with the national team, but apart from that, they come from different um, from different backgrounds. Um, so yeah, we are now running the third module. It's a program that we started in January and is supposed to close end of this year. Um, it's a blended one. We have uh, some modules that are uh, online, uh, and some other modules will happen face to face. Of course, COVID. Um, is looks like it's not behind us, but it's uh, it's less severe than before. So we can uh, allow ourselves um, some um, some face to face modules, and um, and yeah. So so far we we, we are happy with that, and uh, you know we we are we are looking forward to to improving. And what you just said about feedback is 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 crucial because. The feedback can be can happen at various levels, vertical, horizontal level, of course. And um, for what is important for us is that we are on the really on the same ground. So we provide feedback to participants, but we also got a lot of feedback from them, and they, you know, we try to um, to make sure they also share feedback uh, between them. Uh, it's a circular um, system of thinking, and that's uh, what I always say. Is that we have to evolve and grow, and grow as as a cohort, as a group of people, not individually. And that's for me a key learning objective. Um, learn, growing as as a group of people instead of growing as individuals. So then, of course, if you grow, if we are able to grow uh, as a group, everyone as an individual will grow. But the other way around is not uh, maybe is not happening. So that's for me. Um, you know, the, my, my north star is like let's grow as a cohort. Yeah, it's great though, because I think one of the comments that Gemma made is that they, as ex-players, are so used to team environments anyway. So she was saying it's quite nice to talk with people who were never in your team. You may have heard of them. They may have been a year older or a year younger, whatever the case may be. But at, at least You've got, you're dealing with people who are used to a team dynamic. And so hopefully, as you say, you can harness that power that everybody, because now it's not a competitive situation as they were on the pitch. Now it's a different, because as you say, people are going to go back to respective countries, different professions, etc. But if they can take out more than just what I would call the textbook learning, it's the interpersonal lessons. It's that yeah. joy and pain that you've shared as a player because you sat <laughs> on the bench. You know what it feels like, you know what I mean, in the locker room, etc. And, and you made the point, and, and I'm in the same boat, we, we were not at that international level. So it's very difficult for us to discuss it 100%. We can think how it could be, but Gemma made the point, you know, you've either been there or you haven't been there. And that's the wonderful thing, I think, about a true cohort of like-minded people. So, again, well done. Mateo, I know… Um, that the webinar is available on your website because obviously uh, I've looked there. Uh, just 
to our listeners out there, again, I urge you, you know, we always say that Gordon and I every week, this is not just about 30 minutes of, of great conversation. Hopefully you're enjoying Mateo's input. Go onto the CIES website. Find out about the webinar. Listen to it. It's not just that one. There's a whole lot of other stuff there. The next 90 as well. Mateo, my question is, are you going to expand over time to other sporting codes or are you going to stay with football for the next 90? Oh, wow. That, that's that's a great question. Like, uh, the honest answer is that I don't know. I mean, we, yeah. we have to... We are, As I told you, we are still collecting feedback. So uh, for sure, there is, there is a need. And maybe, maybe the need is even more um, important outside of um, of football, because uh, mm. you know, football is rich. After all, is a rich sport, um, a lot of resources. Then we have to see what's happening outside. So um, I believe that there is there is a need for a real assessment for the for, from the sport community as such, and uh, to to really understand. Um, the problem and uh, and design solutions. Um, what I was mentioning in, in the webinar, um, we saw in, in recent times many athletes um, speaking up about uh, about problems they are experiencing as a human as human beings. Uh, I mentioned uh, the prominent cases like Simon Biles of Naomi Osaka or Kevin Love. Um, um, these guys, they are uh, telling us uh, in a very direct way, we are human beings. We are not only uh, revenue generators. Uh, so we are at the center of the, of the sports industry, uh, but we are not only athletes. We are human beings. So uh, I believe this is probably the step stone we have to start from in order to, to understand the problem and design further solutions. So yes, I think there is a need for it. Now, I don't know if CIS will do that, or maybe some other organizations will do that. Uh, I believe the market is such a huge one, and the need is such a huge one that, that there is really room for for a lot of uh, organizations uh, who are willing to design solutions to step into that. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. You know, you and, and I mean, again, you know, on that webinar, you spoke. There, there are those very prominent cases. I mean, the Alison Felix Nike case when she felt pregnant is just I mean it was just so badly handled at the time you know and so you're absolutely right because you see people as a cyclist as a footballer as a weightlifter as a badminton player but you don't realize that they they you know all of the other stuff that goes with them I think your your approach is human-centric is 100% right you know I am I I know as you do a lot of ex-players and current players and all the rest of it and um, one of the very sort of a, a statement that stuck with me, a guy who was a, a miler, who ran a 1,500 meters mile, he only, in his career, his entire career, only held the world record for one week, okay? So he broke the world record and held it for a week, and then it was broken, and subsequently, and, and he was saying, just the mental anguish, just to get to that point, he says, do you understand I was the best miler in the world? but only for a week. He says, now, I battled with that. You know, now, the, other, the upside is, but you were the my, you were the best in the world. He says, but, but uh, why didn't I have it for two, three, a year, whatever the case may be? And then he made the comment. He said, you know what the hardest part is? When the flash bulbs stop flashing. He says, it becomes a very quiet, lonely place, and you get depressed. And, and I think that's the work that you guys are doing, Matteo, is to move people along that path. So, again, you know, I, I'd, I'd be so 
encouraged and curious to see whether you're going to take it, whether you say you or another body, into other sporting codes around the world. You know, as players, every day uh, a player retires from his or her sport. Uh, and it'll be wonderful if they have that catchment net, that safety net uh, that, that you're providing for that. Mateo, we are unfortunately moving towards the end of, of our show. But I mean, I, I'd just like to again say thanks very much. And just in closing, I mean, you've had a, a very interesting career. I know that you at the IOC in Lausanne, you, uh, you spoke about museum curator, you're now in at CIS. Have you got one or two pieces of career advice for younger listeners out there? Oh, well, um, that's a great question. Uh, my, uh, my first advice would be uh, don't limit yourself to, uh, even, even if you have a passion for a specific field, which could be sports, for example, stay curious and try to absorb inputs from other industries. Um, we are in a world where uh, generalists are, uh, you know, have a competitive advantage because the boundaries between industries are, are less relevant than before. Um, so I believe that even though we all, we all have uh, one dream job, uh, one dream industry, we want to do that. We want to stay in sport, we want to stay in art, we want to stay in fashion, which is absolutely fine. But we should be able to really get inputs from uh, different industries. So curiosity is for me uh, a key attitude. And I really encourage uh, young listeners to, to be as curious as um, as they can, because that's really a competitive advantage. Um, niches are are always there; they will be always there, but they are less and less uh, relevant. So, uh, be curious. That would be my first advice. And the second advice you already mentioned. That's what I'm going to repeat myself in a sense. But be bold and ambitious is always for me um, a good advice. In that. Uh, again, the world is changing. Um, we need innovators, we need disruptors, we need uh, people who are able to, um, you know, to break barriers and be able to um, to go a little bit outside the box. And um, and I believe this is this is this is something that um, young listeners should, should 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 do in any, regardless of the. Over there, they want to work. Um, every, literally, every street needs um, innovation. And innovation for me is really simple. It's not like only technological innovation. It's like innovation in the way we think, in the way we uh, approach um, our users, our customers, and people we work with. So uh, really, uh, be audacious and bold and ambitious. That's my second advice. Thanks, Matteo. And again, you know, just to echo that, and your point of innovation, it's not just product, big, big product innovation. Sometimes it's incremental. And you also used the word entrepreneurship a while ago, you know, getting people. So it's about a mind shift change of saying a small change in a process is innovation. It's no less innovative than a big product because very few of us are going to make massive products, but we can, all of us can change something about our approach and, and certainly, as you say, our, our mindset, our way we talk with customers, uh, our look at our industry, whatever that may be. 
Matteo, thanks very much. In closing, I really, really say thank you very much. I hope we can do some work again. It was a great privilege for me a few years back uh, at my home university, Nelson Mandela University, to work with you and the delegates across uh, the continent of Africa for FIFA. So that was a great privilege. Um, I wish you well. And then just in closing, can you tell me um, how do listeners uh, get hold of you, the, the website? Uh, well, what is the best way to get hold of, to find out any information on CIES? Well, you can go to cis.ch uh, uh, for information about um, who we are and our programs. We have a, U a YouTube channel. That's where actually the webinar you mentioned is. And uh, you will find all the information there. Wonderful. Thanks. Again, please tell listeners out there, be part of the conversation. Get on there, comment, get back to Gordon and I. We really want you to get great value. Matteo, thanks very much for your time. To our listeners out there, uh, we... We'll see you next week on The Doc and the Guru. Cheers for now. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get a hold of us on Facebook. Like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mateus. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Muller, the guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.